This is the Australian Butcher's Guild podcast, brought to you by Meat and Livestock Australia, the podcast for passionate butchers. G'day and welcome to Meat and Livestock Australia's Australian Butcher's Guild podcast. I'm Doug Piper and today I'm chatting with Daniel McCarthy, owner of a cut above family butchery in Corio, Victoria, down near Geelong. Daniel has a fantastic butcher shop located in the Corio Shopping Centre, a few clicks just outside of Geelong. Daniel has successfully built his business brand up over the years and has a sensible approach to ensuring that not only his customers are happy, but ensuring his talented team of butchers and customer service people are happy to come and work every day. Daniel is not only a talented butcher and businessman, he is also a member of the Australian Steelers Butchery Team, hopefully heading over to Sacramento later in September 2022 to compete in the World Butchers Challenge and hopefully bring home the winner's trophy from the Italian team. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks, Doug. Good to be here. How's everything down there in Corio, down in Victoria? Yeah, it's not too bad. She's about, it's a little bit hectic times, but we had a bit of an um, earthquake a couple of days ago and COVID and whatever. There's... um. There's a few curveballs coming our way. We thought we had it tough up here, mate, until they threw the earthquake into the uh, into the mix down there. I was, I think, I was talking to you on the day, and uh, yeah, that's said, right. Did you get that earthquake? And I said, "What earthquake?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, th- I think we're into lockdown, maybe eight. I think. And how's that affected your business, mate? Oh, it's probably um, probably overall, it's it's probably been a positive. We've seen a lot of inconsistency with sort of you know we have some um, in the lockdown periods we'd have a really uh, um, sort of peaks and then troughs afterwards but overall it's sort of evened out and we're probably um busier um than what we were sort of previously yeah right so so you're you're in a shopping center or a uh, a strip shop uh, we're in a center in yeah a we're center. in a center of i think there's about 60 um 60 stores with uh coles woolies a kmart and other sort of specialty stores. And have you noticed many of their businesses shutting down, like all the smaller shops around you, or are they like dress shops and ladies' fashion and that? Yeah, so once they have a few, with the restrictions, they change a little bit. And as of late, they, all the retailers close. Um, then it's just cafes for takeaway and um, us and the, um, and the supermarkets. I suppose it does affect the customers coming through, like you don't get that same foot traffic going past as what you would a normal day? No, no, you don't. No, sort of like um, it becomes really inconsistent. We'll have sort of periods throughout the day, which is a bit weird, um, where you'll have sort of like, um, like a, a bit of a rush of people. Um, and then they sort of clear out and that's it for sort of a couple of hours, you know. Um, and it's a bit eerie. You sort of go walk through the malls of the centre and there's sort of shop shut everywhere and just like a, um, yeah, there's, you might pass two or three people through a through a 100 metre mall, you know. I suppose you're lucky in a way that you're right out the front of a Woolworths too, aren't you? We are, yeah. You sort of can't go past us to get to Woolies, you know. And, um, we're fortunate as an industry um, to be so essential as what we do and it's sort of like, I don't know how, I often think how these guys that are always open, shut, open, shut, how they sort of manage it, you know, not so much like financially, but also emotionally and mentally, you know. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a big strain on on everything, not just the, not just the wallet, but it's, it's the emotional side of it because you've you've spent so much time building your business and your customer base. And I often think, you know, it's so grateful for for what we do in our industry and whatever. And and you sort of think back, you know, a new, number of years ago there was quite a few people that sort of left the industry for whatever reason, but 
um, it's it's a pretty good industry to be a part of at the minute, that's for sure. Yeah, we, we've seen a lot of success stories out there with butchers that they've traded quite strongly over the last nearly nearly two years now, I suppose. It's a year and a half to two years. So they've they've been lucky enough to uh, to capitalise on what's happened and rebuild their business base too, I suppose. So there's been a lot of different things that butchers have been able to do in the past like the use of online and, and social media, but they've sort of skirted around it because they, either they didn't understand it or or didn't have the time for it to do it. But now I think it's it's an important thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I think like just on that, so a lot of people sort of, you're probably, you're almost forced, if you weren't doing it, you were forced to do it because it was sort of like, um, it was such a sudden impact that, that, it, that we was looking at. Yeah, you were sort of if you weren't online or if you weren't on social media, it was a bit of a scurry to sort of to get there and, and to be seen sort of thing. How did you handle that? What what were you doing? Were you already online at that stage or were you have you had to go online? Yeah, so we've we've been online for a number of years. I think we're heading towards six years. And at the start for our online stuff was for probably a few years it was really slow and um, quite challenging and, and quite an investment to sort of like to get it set up to how we wanted to and then when you come to a thing like COVID basically we just change some processes because you get an influx of orders like in a matter of hours but then moving forward from that it was just marketing behind what we already do um, so we're fortunate enough we're already there but then we just sort of reach out and just promote ourselves a bit more to other areas you know not not just our direct suburb or whatever it is and it was a little bit easy for us and but I understand it's it's not a simple process to get online, but yeah, you sort of had to. Otherwise, as you said, when a lockdown comes, there was no one in our centre, and I'd imagine strip shops would be the same. Um, so you just sort of you, you're just waiting for the customers to sort of come in, and it's at times they just weren't. Yeah, I suppose you've you've got to look further than your own backyard. That's for sure. When you when you're doing online shopping, you know you can you can you you can go anywhere when you think about it. When you, when you really think about it, it's it's the it's the web. So you know you yeah. can get customers from you know the other side of Victoria. You know you, you probably I I would imagine there would be stories out there from butchers that have been uh, supplying meat into into other areas well outside of their their own community. So having that opportunity there to to have an online shop available uh, is is got to be very crucial to the success of the business. So, so did you find it difficult to get involved in that? Like, I know you said you've been doing it for six years. So, so when you if you go back to when you first started, you know, what what was the biggest hurdles? I suppose getting into that. They're not really hurdles. They're just sort of like what you had to do to sort of set it up. You know, so we created a um a platform and templates for our website. Um, but then we have to, you know, my my interpretation was if we're going to have trying to selling meat from a computer screen. It has to look really good. Your presentation's got to be exact, same as what we do in the shop. You know, um, it's that I appeal is buy appeal. Um, so from that online sort of platform, it was okay. This needs to look. This has got to catch someone's eye as they're looking at a, at a computer screen. You know, which is it's a bit different. You know, so. Um, it was all about the photos, the quality of the photos, um, whether it was garnishing or whatever was surrounding the photos. And I think you can buy you can buy pictures from the from the net, but it, it's it's sort of um, the approach we took was to have it sort of this is us, you know, what you're seeing in on our your computer screen is what you see in our window. Um, yes, we dress it up nicely or whatever it is, but the product doesn't change that much, you know. 
And then we have descriptions also of the product, you know, like um, cooking methods, cooking times, you know, um, approximate serve sizings, that sort of thing. So it's sort of like a um, uh, almost like a sales sort of a pitch in 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 writing. Um, so when the customer browses over it, if they're not used to having cooking steak or cooking dice chuck or whatever it was, um, they can have a bit of a browse and think oh, I might give that a go or whatever it is without actually talking to us, you know. It, it was just time. It took time to sort of to do that. So it's probably not really hurdles, but it just it's it's not an overnight process. So you, you employed a graphic like a, a website designer obviously to do all that or are you one of these younger people these days that understands how to do how to do that sort of stuff? No, certainly not one of those younger people. Um, we at the start we we purchased a website, whatever you want to if, if it's yeah, I'd suppose you'd say that off a um, a web builder. There's a lot of cheap and even free option templates I think that you can build your own but I didn't have that ability to be able to do so so I actually put a little bit of money into it to the start um, we had to create the content um, so then I also had a, a friend who was a photographer who came into the shop and took um, numerous photos of um, and it was probably a few hundred photos at the end we just chopped and got rid of a heap of them because we wanted to present uh, and stand out you know like and I always go back to the same and we spoke the other day we work on, okay, when people come into our store, they see our window and it looks good. We can offer them good service. We have, we can build relationships. But the online stuff, you sort of need to apply that those same principles, but it's a different way of getting there and, and getting that across because it's like you, you can't talk to them or you, um, they can't see you, hear your charisma or whatever it is. So you just got to have it in descriptions and pictures of, of your product, you know, and, and the cleanliness of the layout of the website as well is quite important. Um, if it looks nice and neat, tidy, like our tickets in our window, you know, like I, my tickets are always going to be in lines, whether it's vertical, horizontal, everything's going to be straight, you know. Um, same as our website, everything's nice and clean and tidy and um, the, the same sort of principles apply. That all makes sense, mate. So so with the, the imagery, cooked or raw, do you do both or are you all raw images? Uh, just all raw images, yeah. Mm. Yeah, we, we don't do any – we do a bit of cooked stuff um, that go into parcels and whatever in pastries, but we don't have any ready-cooked meals. But at Christmas time, we change that, and we might have, like, specialty things. We might have, like, a nice nice carved turkey or something like that when we – um with our sort of Christmas sort of, like, theme type things, you know. Um, but everything else is um is raw. And now in where we're at today is we, we've purchased these – we have these photo booths that cost me, like – I think the dearest one was about $70. It's about 800 square and they've got light LED lights in them and they've got different like um, sheets where you can – so everything's blacked out or if it's – you can have a, a white background or whatever and there's lights that come in. You can take photos from the front, from the top. Um, so now all our photos get done in these um, in these photo booths, you know. It's a minute investment to make such a big difference, you know. They've got to be so handy to be able to get those things. Like, yeah, you know, I – I have seen them set up there in in photo shoots with what we've done in the past, but uh, like seventy bucks. What do you get that off eBay or? Yeah, exactly uh, yeah. eBay. Yeah, so I have a larger one where when we do all of our main stuff, and sometimes if I put a couple of things on our story, I'll quickly I've got a smaller one that's nearby, and I'll just sit chuck it up on the bench, pop something in there, and just take a photo, bang, and it's done. You know, um, just looks better than you know you got the lights in the shop that might have a. Um, or your cabinet lights, you know, the bit of the pink lights might sort of like throw into the photo and it looks a little bit sort of blandish. And it just, it, and it's all just that little one percenters that make a um, make a big difference, you know. Yeah. You go back to, to your shop, you know, the, all the one percentage things adds up to, to a big 
big end result. And, and you know, if butchers wanted to do their own, so do you take your own photos now? You've got your own camera or do you still get your, your mate to come in and take the photos no, for no, you? No, no, we do it ourselves now, yeah. So I, I, I had a friend come in and do it once at the start. You know, when we first started doing it ourselves, they weren't great, but we just slowly got better and better and, um, and yeah, and now it's, you know, we went from having some grass background, now we have some nice timber boards or whatever it is, you know, it's always changing. But, um, yeah, so, and it's just an, it's with a phone. It's not We don't have a camera. We just have a phone. That's it, smartphone and a, and a $70 um, uh, photo booth. No wonder the photographers are spewing out there, mate. They're, they're, they're losing so much business. Yeah, <laughs> your smartphones are amazing what they can do these days. I actually looked at a camera and we looked at, like, the resolutions and whatever and it was like we can get so much similar things than with with a, a decent smartphone you know so we didn't have to spend you know two and a half thousand dollars on a um a specific camera we just got an updated mobile phone that has you know the, the cameras the resolutions are um are really good these days and what about your so i've seen some of your social media stuff the the, vid, the little videos you're doing so you're obviously doing them yourselves yeah yeah and again so those videos that we do whether it's the instagram reels or whatever it is um is all done in these in our little photo booth i have a one of our staff members one of our girls who's been with me for nine nine years so she's she's sort of stepped stepped out of the shop and does does these roles you know um and i feel today even more so it's just crucial to have someone doing these and you may not see the results sort of like um instantly but it's sort of the long game you know you sort of got to invest in it and and keep working at it and some people don't see the value in it but it, it really is valuable and again as i said you might you may not see the results straight up or overnight or whether it's your posting on facebook or instagram you may not see you might get that many likes or the engagement might be that big but you just keep at it and at it and you'll see your results at some stage you know and it's a point of difference and you're standing out you know that's that's the crucial part because that's you know Social media is huge now. Do you post on a daily basis or every couple of days or is there some sort of system that you have? Yeah, we, we do post generally daily. Very rarely we don't. Um, we went through a stage where we were trying to sort of work out when people are on there, sort of the analytics of how it was working, when people are on their phones or whatever it is. But we sort of got a little bit sort of caught up in it. Um, and it's like I thought, you know what, just post it. You know, as long as it's, long as it's getting out there, the content's getting out there. Just yeah, just just post it. That's that that was my advice. You know, yeah. Um, because you know, like, and if you get it sort of, you could do it in the morning. You can think before the kids are going to school or whatever it is. Mum might be on her phone. They might see something, have some inspiration for dinner. Or you could post it after you know seven or eight o'clock at night, where people are thinking for sitting on their couch, going through their phone. Um, they might think for the next day. Um, there's so many things you can consider, but just post it. Yeah, we we do a little bit of posting with our butchers guild and that and uh, there's I, like I, I don't truly understand the analytics of it either but um uh our girl tamara who does all the work for us and she she i, I send her through some photos or i've got something i wanted to post she goes no i can't post that today because i've got this scheduled and you know we posted yesterday so we we do one post every couple of days i think it is and she keeps and and it's actually grown really well of the following that we've got on the guild there we we see the the reach i think is the most important part just because you've got 
15 likes there's also that other part which is the reach is what people actually see they've actually visually looked at it uh, how they gauge that I don't know but you know that that is the most important part of, of getting that reach out there so you know not just because you got 15 or 20 or, or 50 likes you know it's that it's that whole reach part which is the most important part I think yeah that, that's true because we, we sort of do compare comparisons with our Facebook um, and our Instagram and same deal, we've got such a larger, a, a bigger following on Facebook than what we do have Instagram, um, but Instagram gets us the biggest reaches. That's exactly right, you know, and and you can see the numbers of likes are different. You get more on Facebook, but it's the percentages, you know, percentages of your likes to your following um, and, and your reach and whatever it is, that's, yeah, you're spot on. That, and that's what, that's what we look at, yeah. Um, because you can get a bit caught up, you know, like you can get a bit caught up, oh, no one's seen that or no one liked it or whatever it is, you know, but you, you just forget about that and, and, and just do it. And if you're doing it consistently, you're going to be noticed, you know, and some, and whether it takes whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It could be a week, could be two or three months, you know, um, but if you're consistent at it, um, you will get better at it and, and you'll get noticed. And and it's about building your brand too at the end of the day. It's about building up your brand, a cut above family butchers, you know, that that's that's what it's all about. So whether you're, you know, Johnny Smith down the road or you're Daniel down there at Corio, it, it's the brand that you're building and so your customers can relate to it and they know where they're going to come to get some some beautiful meat yeah that's that's right that's true yeah yeah so it's like you know they'll see you scroll past and if you see something so many times you'll you'll eventually take notice of it whether it's a you know i think it's just human nature i think that's the um that's what they say you know if, if you see something certain amount of times you'll you'll start paying attention or you remember um you'll start to relate to it and then it becomes you'll start to think you will gravitate towards it the other thing i i loved when we when we came down to your shop i think it was what nearly two years ago um for the greatest butcher mate the the window display that you had there we sort of figure whenever we're doing a trip around the place and we go to butcher shops and they know we're coming they always put on a good display but like you said that is my daily standard it doesn't change from this you know this is the way i have my window every day and and i was just so impressed with the way it everything looked and you know you, you, you mentioned before about your tickets how they've got to be straight or in line or wherever you know everything has a spot um, and, and the value adding that you do there, it, it is um, it is some of the best that I've seen around the place. It's it, it's it's simple. It looks very edible. You want to eat it. And and as I think Jess Jessica Rowe who was there, she wanted to take half your window away with her. So so how, how have you how have you built up with that? Like you're in a really tough area, like you said the other day. Corio's not probably one of the one of the tougher areas around the around that Geelong area. Um, how have you how have you been able to encourage the customers around there to to eat that sort of food because they generally sort of we what we see with our the data that we get through through the helix program there's a lot there's a lot of people out there that are doing a lot of microwave food or they're getting takeaway how have you adjusted how, how have you sort of brought them around yeah so i think when we first like it was a big thing that we did was education you know like um you know when the customers when we had new products and whatever and we we started to shift to this um um, to these value-added lines and sort of oven-ready sort of half an hour. We have a theme that we work on, sort of that half an hour at 180. That's sort of our um, um, where we started. Now, it's a bit different now with air fryers and whatnot, but that's that's what we sort of built a number of lines around um, at the start. And 
then it was about education, you know, about the simplicity of it. Like the flavour had to be really well, so we put a lot of effort into into the recipes um, because we didn't want someone to take away and we talked it up a little bit and they went home and cooked it and it was okay, but it was sort of like that was it, you know. Um, we wanted to go and say, you know what, that was I want that again, you know, because they experienced the eating quality, the simplicity of the cooking um, and the convenience, you know, and sort of what well, convenience is is so crucial these days and as you say like some competition we look at competition as fast food now you know um which you know five ten years ago you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have ever thought that but it is you know so and like it's you know like people are busy whether they've got kids sport or work or whatever it is they don't want to be going home cooking these you know like a big meal and washing dishes whatever it is um or you just can't be bothered you know so we just have those options and they're so eye appealing, you know, because it's like it's, it just pops, you know. It's sort of like we have it, in, as you know, in the centre of our cabinet. Um, it's sort of like our, our showstoppers, you know, and we have them sitting there. And you just can't you can't walk past without noticing them. There's, you know, we have at times you might have maybe eight or ten different pastry lines. So it's sort of like, and with some nice garnish and whatever, it's just it's just like a highlight, you know. The the lighting side of it, I find, is always very important as well. Um, making sure that you've got. The, the lights aren't out above them. So, so often those bloody tubes blow. Who's, whose job's that? No, so we, we change. Yeah, so well, that's my job really. But So we changed the all LED lighting um, a few years ago um, and even in, in the meat case. And it's funny because I actually trialled it once and I had them in there for a couple of weeks and I'd gone from like the um, whatever they are, the, the fluoro type ones to these LED ones and I thought, Oh, they're just, they're really bright. It, it's, it's, it looks good, but it's probably too much. Um, so after two weeks, I took them out. And then about 12 months later, I thought, you know what, I'm going to have to give them a go again. So I, I got some more, which cost, you know, it, was, it wasn't cheap. So we did it again. I thought, you know what, I'm just going to have to get used to it because I don't like change that much, you know. But So then we worked on the lighting around the place, you know, as the, the overhead um, bulkhead and stuff like that. And how do we sort of like change because there's these days there's so many different colors you all there's there's multiple colors that you can get that will adjust and change and and so we just worked at a few different things and tried different um different colors and to what we got to a point where they, you know what this this works it's highlighting the, the the meat cabinet without sort of like flooding it and that was sort of like the um that's what we were after we went to IFA a couple of years ago in Germany and um, I saw some really good technology there when it came to lighting. They had a couple of butcher's cases set up there and uh, with the bulkheads up the top there, they had a lot of downlights there and it was all controllable by your iPhone. So they, they were all set up through through Bluetooth so you could change the colour or the brightness throughout the day. So uh, I hadn't seen this. I'm, I'm, you know, old school butcher here. I haven't been in a shop for a while, but uh, th- this was all brand new technology for me. And I thought, what a great idea! Because as the uh, the sales representative mentioned, you know, you can change the color. You can have it brighter in the afternoons as the sun goes down, and you can you can filter it out during the day when it's a lot brighter. So you know, and the different colors that you can get uh, that you can turn these lights into. I thought I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, well, I, ha- I haven't heard of that, but so so the, the lights that we have they are adjustable. So we have I think there's three different color settings, and there's also three different brightness settings. Yeah, but we have to do it manually, you know. Um, and I thought, you know, when I put these in that's a great idea because you know come winter time it's it's darker it's a bit gloomier so you can change the um the the strength of the light when it's summertime it's a bit brighter anyway so you can maybe or vice versa whatever works you know but i yeah it'd be it would be handy having it to um 
on your mobile phone, mm. or it might send you crazy because you might find yourself changing every every bloody twenty minutes. But <laughs> so, <laughs> now that's the problem. Someone get hold of your phone and they'll, uh, yeah, like a disco. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> the butchers challenge. Oh, the well, the world butchers competition. Congratulations on on being on the team, mate. It's a it's a bit of a coup for you. I think you, you're well deserved. We've seen a lot of your work out there. You're looking forward to getting over there to Sacramento next year. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's um you know like it's one of these things you sort of go through through your life or in your career, and you sort of like I never really considered this sort of thing um, until I started these competitions, and and it was back in probably 2016 where um, I went on a tour. And you know, started to network with people and whatever. And and at the time, I wasn't doing much. You know, we you know we we entered in a couple of AMIC competitions, the Sausage King comps, and didn't really know sort of much about you know improving products and whatnot. And it was that very one tour that we done that really sort of like um, a light bulb sort of um, moment for us. And yeah, we started working at like our Sausage King recipes and stuff like that. And then we started seeing a bit of success. We're getting some results. And, and then the butchering comps come along and I thought I'll give them a go. And, and then I seen a bit of success with that, you know, and then and then the opportunity come up for the Steelers comp. And it was like, yeah, well, that was, you know, this is if you're going to do comps, this is what you want to aspire to. And then, yeah, we just sort of went on from there and put a lot of effort and work in. And, and I was <laughs> fortunate enough to... um to get a good result and, and get picked for the team. So hopefully we get there next year. But when we were supposed to be there last year, it was, um, it was, it was, our training was, um, it started to get, it was, re- it was becoming awesome. You know, we started to get really refined and, and we're gelling really well. And, and then we, we, we stopped, you know, and that was a bit of a bugger, but you know, once we are able to get back going again and we can get some consistency and maybe, yeah, working towards that date next September, hopefully. Yeah. Getting a position on the team like that, like what you did, uh, it's something that no one's ever going to come up and tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, do you want to come and join this? You've got to be inspired to do that. You've, you've got to get off your butt and you've got to go and do these things, you know, because you know, we, we've got a lot of, uh, we've had a bit of feedback over the years about the competitions, about butchers wanting to be, why, why can't I be on the team? I'd love to be on the team. It's a big ask too, so you've got to take time off work. You, you've you've got to, or, or be able, you know, hopefully your, your employer will give you the time off work. Uh, and and there's a lot of commitment there. Like there's a lot of travel, and and to get on that team, you've still got to be able to back yourself because it's it's teamwork. It's not being one person. So you know you you're going to have your job to do, and everybody else has got their jobs. And as soon as you finish yours, it's not just a matter of putting your eyes down, waiting for something else to happen. You've got to get in and help somebody else. So you know building yourself up for that sort of the competition. It's it's not as it's. Not not easy. It it is a lot of lot, lot lying on your shoulders because you've got to hold up your end of the bargain in in the team. Yeah, that's um that, that's true. You know, and like um we have these like the the butchers wars, which is like an individual comp, um, which is probably a stepping stone for what well, was for me. It certainly was for me. But it's you're there. It's it's all up to you. You know, like it's um if you if you're successful at it, it's because of you. If you if you're not that successful, it's because of you also. You know, but in a team environment. Um, so stepping up into once we first started training with the Steelers, it was yes, you've got a role, and and your role is servicing your needs, but also you're you're servicing two to three other people too, and and you've got to have your time is got to be spot on because if you're dragging the chain, 
you're going to drag three, two or three other people's chains too, and then that's just going to snowball. And you know, after three hours, you could be, um, you know, a fair way behind or whatever it is, you know. And and then you don't want to start panicking, you know. So it's it's this yeah, that's right. There's so much to it, and the strategies need like you have to have in place to to make sure your your times in sync with everyone else and and everyone's doing their role as they should be, and and also having a bit of a, a backup plan. So if you're ahead of time. You have a thing where I can, okay, I can go and help this fella because he may be dragging a little bit or vice versa sort of thing, you know. Yeah, the team environment is so much different than the individual comps, sure. I, th- I think that the team itself, they are some great fellas in that team, very talented, led by Adam. He, he's been the captain for a few years now and they've had a very good run. I, I think, you know, they've... I've been to a couple of the competitions along the along the line, and the, the team where that everybody's always got along very well, and and the end product has been you know second to none. If you ask me, I've got to be biased. They're Australians, they're an Australian team, uh, but yeah, mate, they they've always done well in my eyes, and um, it's also not not just about I suppose winning but it they make great mates out of it like you know these guys now know people all over the world we've got a lot lot more interest in in australian butchery because you know we we do it pretty well here between us i think between australia the uk and a couple of the european countries just no one does it as good as what australian butchers do like just a day-to-day work that you do in your shops is you know they, they don't come anywhere near what what we what we do or what butchers do today like you see through social media and stuff like that you see um you know other other people from other countries whether it's uk or whatever it is and they do some like amazing stuff you know and at the same time you'll see one of our guys and think wow that's sort of like it's different but it's like it's sort of next level same sort of thing it's um we're using the same products but we're doing a lot of different stuff you know and still to a standard that sort of like it just keeps getting better and better you know and again on you follow social media and you just see something wow you know like this is where we're heading this is where we're going or whatever it is and it's um and it's good for like you know aspiring butchers or leaders or whatever it is um that's sort of like you just keep pushing yourself to be better and better and watching what everyone else is doing and and it just helps sort of lift you up a bit you know when i first went there it was um i was very nervous and that the boys is that it's it's awesome you know you sort of get there and and adam's like he's a big believer of mine he's probably a bit of a mentor of mine now um where it's sort of like um he's sort of given me probably taught me how to believe in myself and what i do and whatnot and to push myself at the same time and it's the same when we're trying the same deal you know he'll be believing in you but he'll be pushing you at the same time you know and then you get together and it's um they're just a good bunch of encouraging guys, you know, sort of like there's if something doesn't work well, you sort of talk about it and give an idea on what could be done or whatever it is or an example, you know. There's no real – it's all constructive, and that's what sort of makes you feel really comfortable really really quickly. And talking to, say, Luke Layson, who was a, a recently new member to the team, um, he goes, I went through the same thing, you know, I was packing my pants once getting here and think, shit, I'm not good enough or whatever it is, or but probably lacking that bit of a belief. But then once you get rolling and whatnot, you start to build a bit of confidence and, and now you look at the quality of what Luke does, it's um he's amazing, you know. It's it now now we are great mates, you know. I think doing a lot of the, the butcher wars is a great segue into this sort of thing because and I don't want to sort of make you nervous, but a lot of people that are out there watching what what you do. I, I remember Tommy Boucher at one stage when one of his first ones that we we did overseas. He he was a member of the Steelers and uh, he he was a bit like Luke was. You know he was he was very nervous, but eventually you, you overcome that. 
it's it's something that only that only comes with experience and you know you you know at the end of the day you just put your head down and you do what you know best and and that's you know your job you know how to cut meat you know what you've got to do you just do it you don't worry about what happens outside of those outside of your line of sight it's what's in front of you and and that's the whole thing a lot of butchers have got to understand when it comes to any sorts of competitions like that yes there's a lot of pressure on you but you just worry about what you've got in front of you it's like running a butcher shop don't worry about what people are doing down the road or outside there it's just what you've got in front of you yeah, that's true. That's true. Like it's um, well for me. So I sort of um, so when I went into the the comp to, to get into the team, it was like okay, I'd practice what I need to do, and I'd done what I needed to do, and then it's just a belief, you know. Like it's you know what to do, you just got to do it, you know. And, and and you've got a bit of nervous energy, so you need to allow a few minutes for that to sort of. Um, but I find the first like the first maybe fifteen minutes, um, if you can get your knife skills like nice and smooth, clean cuts, it sets a tone. Um, and you just your shoulders will just relax, and it's um, you're not as stiff and whatever, you know. And, and you're just um, if it's, you get off to a good start, and that changes the rest of the the whole time, you know. Um, you'll just start breezing and comfortable, and 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 you'll smash it out, and and your confidence starts flying high. And and I think mm-hmm. um, if you have a bit of a boo boo, that's when you start to panic a little bit, and and nervous the nerves set in, and and makes it a bit difficult. Your shoulders will stiffen up, and yeah, but that's no, all good. Yeah, that's great, mate. Well, mate, it's been great to catch up with you again. It's been too long since we've uh, we've had a chat. Uh, I really do appreciate your time. Uh, I will see you before you get over there to Sacramento. I'll get up there to the one of the training sessions or at least one of the training sessions when they all kick off. I look forward to catching up with you there, mate. All the very best for the future, and, and thanks once again for your time today, mate. Great to catch up. No, you too, Doug. All the best. Thanks very much. Well, that's all we have time for today, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like more information about today's episode, you can contact me on butchers at mla.com.au and don't forget to subscribe to the Australian Butchers Guild podcast so you don't miss an episode. I'm Doug Piper. See you in a fortnight. You've been listening to the Australian Butchers Guild podcast, produced by The Sound Business.